What a wonderful experience to have. I once was lost, right? but now I'm found. And once was blind, but now I see. You know, the writer of that song also said, when life seems apace and death is in view, the word of his grace will carry us through not fearing or doubting with Christ on our side, we hope to die shouting, the Lord will provide. I think the man knew a little bit about who the Lord was. But I'm thankful for that tonight. If this is your first time in our congregation, I want to tell you that you are really welcome. And if you haven't already noticed, we're a singing people. And we love to rejoice. And we've been doing it since, uh, well, this week, since Saturday night. But I just want to tell you that you are welcome in this house tonight. We have come here this week to worship the Lord and to have fellowship with Him and with His saints and with friends and family that have come to this place. And we want you to be a part of that tonight. And you are welcome. Those of you that may have come many other times, it's good that you're here. I thought today we've had people come from all the way across the world to be at this camp meeting. That's right. You realize that? Something true. They made their plans from Afghanistan to be in this camp meeting. And a lot of you have come from a lot of different places. This is the prime time of the year to come and be a part of this camp meeting. And I just want to tell you that you are welcome here tonight. And this camp meeting has been wonderful. In my mind, it's the best one we have ever had. It's just the best one we've ever had. And I'm thankful for it. I I read uh, recently, and a lot of you maybe have read, back in the middle of the Depression, our people had a vision of this place and what they wanted it to be. And it is a little humorous in light of where we are in our society today. Uh, Sister D. Miller wrote that they wanted a, a nice parcel of ground in a mild climate uh, because our older people needed to be in a warm climate, a nice mild place. I think they've accomplished that. Uh, it's, it's rather uh, warm this time of year. They wanted to have a place to have a garden so that the folks that lived here could support themselves. And what is kind of humorous, she said, we need to have a few hens for people or chickens to take care of themselves. But what is so important to me is she said, we want to have a place big enough so that once a year, you could tell all the people that you come in contact with in your travels that we're going to meet once a year on a campground and we're going to have a camp meeting. Do you think that has been accomplished? I say amen. It has been accomplished. I thank the Lord for it. My grandson and I were here back in June and he, he and I came down We came for a funeral, came a few days early, and we spent the day around this place. And as you well know, if you spend much time here, it's really a nice, wonderful place. And we were getting ready for bed, and he asked me, he he was made a comment. He said, he calls me Gaga. He said, Gaga, I'm sure glad they thought of this place. Man, I tell you what, it's all I could do to just keep from busting out crying. Well, you know, I feel the same way. I'm sure glad they thought of this place. And I said, well, you know, Cameron, this place will always be your home. 
As long as you're a part of this body of people, this will always be your home. You might move from house to house where you live. You may move from town to town. This will always be your home. It's always been my home. You know what his next question was? Who's going to care about it when you're not here? Or mom and dad aren't here. Who's going to care? And from a child's view, I understood what he was saying. I said, there's always going to be people that are going to care about this place. And it's not in buildings and in land and in in physical things, but it is in the spirit and the power of God and the truth of the gospel of the word of God that makes this place what it is. And I'm thankful for it tonight. We've heard a lot of wonderful things. I, I, I just... It's hard to assimilate it sometimes, just everything. You almost have to go back and listen again from time to time. And we have that opportunity. We're thankful for that. But I want to read you some questions tonight. And I want to ask you a question. Micah 6 says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy and to walk humbly with that God. I think that question resonates everywhere. What will the Lord have me do? What does the Lord require of me? The other question I want to ask you is, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul this night as we sit here How is it with your soul? You ever just stopped, thought about how is it with your soul? I would say if you don't know the Lord, now is the time. And I want to talk to you about a person who realized too late. Too late. There's a lot of uh, things in the news over the last couple of years about Iraq. We all know in this country and around the world, we're in quite a conflict there. And that country is, if you really think about it, is the, really the seat of civilization between the Tigris and Euphrates River, supposedly right. the Garden of Eden was located. And there's a lot, a lot of history and a lot of biblical history associated with that, with that country. But about 50 miles south of Baghdad is the ruins of one of the greatest cities that ever existed in the world for the first 15, maybe 2,000 years. But it lies in ruins today. The, the former uh, deposed leader of, of Iraq, recent leader, has tried to rebuild it. But the city of Babel lies in ruins. And we find a scripture all through the Word of God about Babylon. It, it, we, we read about it in Genesis about the Tower of Babel, and supposedly it took place in that 
part of the world, people thought they could build a tower to God. They could reach in the heavens. And what did God do? He confounded their language. And then we read about it uh, in the captivity of the children of Israel, uh, in the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, all deals with that city and with the city of Jerusalem. And of course, we get in the New Testament, a lot of revelation deals with Babylon. It talks about being evil and being a state of confusion and the enemy of the world. But you know, there's a church in Babylon. There was a church in Babylon. You read in, I believe it's 2 Peter, it, it talks about salute the church in Babylon. But I want to talk about a time about, I guess it's about six, the 6th six century before Christ. This city of Babylon was at its peak. And there was a king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he, he built this city as great as it could be built. It, history says the, the walls around the city were double. They were double walls and they were 80 feet thick. So thick that a chariot could just race around the top. And there were streets laid out perpendicular and there were palaces and there were canals and there were temples. And he tried to rebuild the Tower of Babel and there was um, a garden there that was the, one of the seven wonders of the, the ancient world that existed. It was a great city. A lot of learning, a lot of science, a lot of education, a lot of philosophy. It was the greatest city in the known world at this time. Probably not unlike some of the cities in, maybe in our country. New York City, maybe others, I don't know. But it was a great city. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power... And for the honor of my majesty. That's what he said. Is not this place I have built for my might and my power and my majesty. And we read in the word of God, we know that Nebuchadnezzar went over to to Judea, to Jerusalem. And through a systematic way, he took the children of Israel back to Babylon in several different phases. Among some of those people were Daniel, Ezekiel was one of them. Um, and in the last time uh, that he came, he wrecked the city of Jerusalem. He tore down the walls, killed a lot of people, took a lot of hostages. It says he left the poor there as vine dressers and husbands. I guess they had to take care of what little bit was there. And he took from the temple of God. All the great things in the temple. The Bible talks about spoons and dishes and lavers and columns and all of these things. What he couldn't carry off, he broke up into pieces and took it back with him. And took it back to this great city that he had built. But you know, the Lord changed that man's life. Until he knew that God ruled in the kingdoms of God. And let me tell you tonight, don't ever think that we do, that you do anything by your power or your majesty or your work. Because God rules in the kingdom of men. He passed away. Several other people became king. But his grandson became king. Belshazzar. In this great city, all this fabulous 
fabulous things, these great palaces, all this wonderful art, all this wonderful gold and silver, most of it from the house of God in Jerusalem. He had it right at his fingertips. So he calls a big feast. The Bible says to a thousands, a thousand of his lords, probably as many as we could put in this building. That's a lot of people. A thousand. And he had a big feast. And it says, as they drank their wine, he said, go get all those things that we brought out of Jerusalem. Bring them in here. Let's have a big time. And so they did. The Bible says, and they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. All of those things are natural. Every, every one of those things are natural. They were having the time of their life. Sometimes I look at our society and I wonder if this society is not in the same shape. I wonder if we're not in the same shape, generally speaking. Every moment of everybody's life usually is filled with something. Something. Your work, diversions, whatever. People have plenty to do. And it just seems like life goes on. But at the same hour, not even 60 minutes passed, the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote on the plaster of the wall by the candlestick. Begin to write. It says that the king was troubled and it said his knees shook. I imagine they did. I don't know how to equate how he felt. Um, I know all of you remember about 9-11 and where you were. And I remember that morning thinking, what is going on here? You call your family. Are you okay? We don't know what's happening here. We're concerned. Stay close. Stay in touch till till we see what's going to take place here. You know how that feeling was. Perhaps some of you know how it was. Or have you ever had a situation where you had a a calamity in your family where you got news it wasn't good. You know, just those few seconds. How did you deal? What did you do? How did you feel? Your whole life was changing. That sudden, we want to call it fear maybe, perhaps, Brother Willie. You know what I'm talking about. That instant of getting that life-changing news. This man got some life-changing news. I doubt he heard anything in that hall. I doubt all those people meant nothing to him. Their laughter, their clamoring meant nothing to him. All he saw was that handwriting on that wall. And he said, go get some people to tell me what it says. There's a message for me. I need to know what it is. And he called all his great educated people. They couldn't tell him. And his wife said, oh, there's somebody I know that can tell you what it means. And he called Daniel. Daniel was brought in. He said, Daniel, I'll give you all of these things if you'll just tell me what it is. Daniel said, keep your gifts. I don't want them. 
I don't need them. He said, he gave him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, and this is a message for you tonight. How is it with your soul? For thou, O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. For the majesty he gave him all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him whom he would slew and whom he would keep alive and whom he would set up and whom he would put down. He was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like unto wild beasts and he ate grass like an oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men and thou his son really his grandson. Thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knowest all of this. How many of you here tonight, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, know what it means to serve the Lord and have not done anything about it? You know that it takes to be forgiven of your sins. You know that it takes to have the Holy Spirit in your life and be sanctified and to live a life of holiness that's pleasing unto the Lord. How many here are not in that shape and know it? You knew all of this. But thou hast lifted thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass, iron, wood and stone which see not nor hear nor know. Listen to this. And the God in whose hand thy very breath is. You ever thought about that? We breathe just spontaneously. Don't even think about it. But the God in whose hand thy very breath is. And in whose are all thy ways thou hast not glorified. What a sad commentary on a man's life. I don't know how he felt. I suspect he was panic-stricken. But this is the interpretation, Daniel said. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Belshazzar, it's over. Don't let that be your, your situation. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found one. And thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In that night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And do you know that that city declined from that day forward? It never has been the same. Babylon has fallen. It really is on my heart 
Don't let that be your doom. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, there's a way out. There's a way out. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. And let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy. Belshazzar didn't have a chance to have mercy. You are weighed in the balance and you are found wanting. And this night your kingdom is going to be taken from you. Daniel didn't say, Belshazzar, we're going to give you a few days to work it out. And if you repent, that was not the case. It was then and now that man died that night. But what can be the joy in serving the Lord? We have a chance. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, you've got a chance. I think so much. People, they sit among our folks and you talk with them and they cry. They say, I want to serve the Lord and I feel like the Lord is working with me. Let me just tell you something. Count it a blessing when the Lord is working with you. Count it a blessing when the Lord is working with you and respond to that. Cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you unto singing. And all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Come now, let us reason together. This is not the opportunity Belshazzar had, was it? Let us reason together. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing. That seems so simple to me. If you be willing. And obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I would ask you tonight, search your heart. How is it with your soul? We've got an opportunity here. We're going to take some time and have prayer. Don't let it be said of you. They had a chance and they didn't. How sad it would be to miss an opportunity with all of these wonderful people to seek the Lord on this night. Call upon him while he is near, while the congregation stands. Let's everybody come up and let's kneel in a word of prayer. Everybody stand.